Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. We're going to read just one verse of scripture. And while you're turning there, I want to take just a moment to give honor to your pastor, brother and sister Robbins. What a, what a great time I've had getting to know them. Would you give your leadership a hand clap? There's nothing like good godly leadership. I'm thankful for good godly leadership. All the leadership here at Apostolic Life, I, I know I haven't met most of you, but it's, I, I know you're great because you're a part of a great church, and just this church in general, I want to give honor to you. Uh, thank, thankful again for all of the accommodations. Give honor also to my wife and my daughters. Um, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, when you got to say amen. Verse 21, and thine eyes, sh thine ears rather, shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. I'll read it one more time. Thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand. And when you turn to the left, I believe the Lord's going to help us tonight. I want to talk to you just for a few moments on the topic of the voice from behind us, the voice behind us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, you know exactly what you want to do in this place. I need your anointing. I need you to touch my mouth. Help me to say exactly what you want said. Not my will, God, but your will be done. I pray that you would open our hearts to receive your word. Let your perfect will be done in this place. I pray for every heart. I pray for every mind. I pray for Tupelo, God. I pray, Jesus, that you would strengthen us, Lord, and give us your grace and your mercy, God. Anything that is contrary to your will, I bind it in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that there would be complete liberty to receive your word. I pray for minds. I pray for hearts. I pray for spirits, God. Strengthen us tonight according to your word. We love you. We'll give you all the praise, give you all the glory, give you all the honor in your wonderful name. Jesus, we ask and pray. Can everybody say in Jesus' name? Can we take just a moment and lift our voice and give God praise, knowing that he's worthy? Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our hands and lift our voice and magnify him. Lord, I love you, Jesus. God, I bless your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, would you lift your voice a little bit? Hallelujah. Come on, if God's blessed you and if God's been good to you, would you praise him with all of your strength? Lord, we bless your name, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. The voice behind you, the voice behind you, this text that I read is in regards to God and to his people, the nation of Israel. Just to give you a little bit of context and go through some of the history of the people of Israel, and I'm not going to go through the entire book of uh, the, the entire Old Testament. We don't have all night, but just a, a really brief summary. God had called Abram out of the city of Haran and into uh, the land of Canaan, and He had promised this land to him. 
And Abraham did not see the entirety of this promise in his lifetime, but he began to see a part of the promise come to pass, namely in his son Isaac being born. And so the promise that God had given to Abraham went from him and then went to his son Isaac. Isaac had Esau and he had Jacob, and that promise went from uh, Isaac and it went to Jacob. And Jacob then received the promise and it went to the 12 sons that he had, which would become the 12 tribes of Israel. But before they became really the 12 tribes of Israel, the Bible tells us of a time where Jacob's son Joseph is sold into slavery, goes to Egypt, and and because of the events that happen, the people of Israel go and they live in Egypt, and it works out great for a while until it doesn't. And they become enslaved by the Egyptians. They, They were they found themselves in a position where they were bound by the Egyptians. They, they did not have the liberty to leave. They did not have the, uh, they did not have the freedom to come and go as they wanted. And this, this, this was the way that it was for generations for the people of Israel. Generations would come, and they would go enslaved. Kids would be born into slavery, and they would be raised all, no, only, knowing, uh, only knowing the life of hard work and, and slavery to the Egyptians, and they would have kids, and they'd eventually die, and their kids would be raised in this, and, and this was the reality that the people of Israel had, and, and God, God had allowed them to be there, but they found themselves really, really in a bad spot, but we, you look at this, and, and if you study the Bible, Egypt Egypt is a type and it's an example of sin. And the people of Israel, in essence, were bound in sin. They were, they were enslaved to sin. They, they did not have the ability to save themselves if they wanted to. They did not have the ability to deliver themselves if they wanted to. And this is exactly what sin does. It, it gives us the false illusion that we have control, but we do not have control over sin. We think we do, but, but we find ourselves eventually bound by it and stuck in it. And it's just the monotonous life of, of slavery to sin and, and and it can go from, from generation to generation. And it's interesting how things can seem like such a good idea and seem fun and, and, and seem like the right thing to do at the time. And then we look back years, years have gone by and we realize the bondage that we have been in because of the enslavement of the choices that we've made. Pharaoh was building his kingdom at the expense of Israel. He would give them just enough. You know, he had to have them work, so they had to at least eat a little bit. But he would, he would give them just enough to sustain them, but they never got ahead. They, they never were fulfilled. And I'm not going to re-preach what I preached today. But, but living outside of God will, will never fulfill you the way that you need it. This is what living in sin does. You get enough to get by, but eventually the high is going to wear off. And eventually the good times will wear off, and you're going to find yourself Look around, surrounded by brokenness and bond. That is what sin does in the life of an individual. I'm not just talking about it. Listen, I grew up in church, and I and I I know what it is to, for this all, all, all only to be what I know. My my parents were involved in ministry, but but as I got older and into my teenage years, I began to find myself drifting away from the things of God. And I would go to church, and I would sit on the pews, and 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 I I, I looked like I was doing okay, but but but. 
inside I was not living for God. And once I got out of high school and had a little bit more liberty, I got myself into a whole lot of mess that I never should have gotten in. I've seen both sides of it. It does not look like it. God has been good. But, but I have been involved in things where, where I was finding myself bound by things that seemed like a good idea or things that seemed like fun. But, but really the reality of it was bondage and enslavement. That's what sin does. This is what the people of Israel's reality was. Year after year after year, this this is what they were, this is what their parents were, and this is what their kids were going to be. But the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, The Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. What a line. What a line. This is not what I'm preaching, but God knows where you're at. God knows what you're dealing with. God knows what you're going through. Verse 8, he says, I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. God, God was present. Yes, they, they, they were enslaved and they were in bondage, but God saw what was going on. The Bible says he saw their hurts. He saw the effects of, of the nation of Egypt that they were having on the people of Israel. And the Bible says he, he comes to deliver. He said, I came to deliver. It did not matter how many generations they were in bondage. God came to deliver. It did not matter how long or how bound they were. The, the, the purpose of God was that they would be delivered. Hear, hear me today. And, and, and I know I know that I'm talking to people that know what it's like to be delivered and see the goodness of God. But, but hear me, and I know you can testify with me. It does not matter how long you are bound by things, and it does not matter how deep you are in sin. It does not matter what you have done or what you have not done or how long you've been addicted to something or how messed up your family is or how messed up you are really that all that does not matter in regards to God God loves you so much God cares for you so very much we don't even realize the love and the mercy of God God cares for you and there is nothing in your life that God cannot deliver you from there is nothing hear me tonight there's nothing in your life that God cannot save you from and God cannot restore you from. There's no situation in your family that God cannot step in and fix it and change it and make everything new. Why? Because that's what he does. That's who he is. Jesus said, as he began his ministry in Luke chapter 4, he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel. He said, I'm going to preach good tidings to the, to the broken. I'm about to heal the broken heart. You know what he's saying? I'm about to show you what I have come to do. Hear me tonight, apostolic church. We have got to get past the lies. I don't want to re-preach what I preached this morning, but I feel to say this. We have got to get past the lies of hell that says our reality today is what our future is going to be. No, no, God, God can give you something so much better. God can give you future. God can give you a hope that we never could dream of. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord? (laughs) 
It's not a coincidence that you found yourself in this place tonight. I don't know most of you. I don't know anything about your life, but it is not a coincidence that you have found yourself in this place tonight. I believe that the Lord wants to deliver somebody in this building. God, God's able to change anything. God's able to change anything, and he steps into the people of Israel's life. He does just that. He sends the plagues on Egypt, and and really, he breaks the back of the most powerful nation at that time. The Bible says he takes them to the Red Sea, and he delivers them through it. He, he, he parts the Red Sea, and they walk through on dry ground. And The Bible mentions that the Lord goes before them. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, it says, The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and the night. It's God that led them out of sin, not their own ingenuity, not their own ability, not their own wisdom, not their own strength. They had no ability to save themselves, but it was God that led them out. It was God that directed them out. You cannot save yourself if you want to. Only God can save you. Only God can deliver you. It was God that led them to where he wanted them to be. The Bible says that the Lord went before them. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 30, the Lord your God which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Deuteronomy 31 and 8, the Lord he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. Catching a theme, God goes before. Matthew 26 verse 24, Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He goes before them. John 8 and 12, then spake Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus leads from the front. God leads from the front. He led his people out of sin and out of bondage in the front. He, he went before them. He led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night before them. He said, if you're going to have relationship, you've got to come after me. You are not before me, but you've got to follow me. He that followeth me, he, they, he's trying to make a point that, 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 that if I am going to serve God, it is only going to be with God leading the way and me following in, in the steps that he has already made for me. Moses you want to talk about somebody who had a relationship with God. Moses was the guy, but I think the most telling verse about the relationship of Moses and God was that Moses uh, Moses knew God face to face. Had a face to face relationship. He was in front. He was in front. This, this is what a right relationship with God looks like. God in front of us. God leading us. God, God being what our vision is on and what our attention is on and what our focus in, is on. He's, he's directing my life. He, this, this is where my priorities are on. This is where my focus, this is where my energy and my time and my money is going. This God is God in my life. He is what is before my eyes. It's interesting, the Bible says, I'll set no wicked thing before my eyes. Something's going to be before my eyes. 
Moses knew God face to face. God wants to know us face. God, God wants you. God wants your focus. God, God wants your attention. God, God does not want us looking around. God does not want us, want us with our, our priorities and our focus on a million different things. But God wants a relationship with us where he is what we're looking to. I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm focused on God. I have a relationship with him. He's leading and I'm following. I'm not making the rules. I'm not making the decisions. But Lord, where you tell me to go, I'm going to go. What you tell me to do, I'm going to do. God, I'm submitting my life to you. This is what the people of Israel had. God as their leader. And the power and the blessings that that come from following after God. You, you see that in the night or in the nation of Israel, especially at the beginning. Jeremiah 32, 21 says, It has brought forth thy people Israel out of Egypt with signs and with wonders and with a strong hand and with stretched out arm and with great terror. God was working on their life, working on their behalf. God was on their side. But it does not stay that way. If I am the Israelites, and I have just seen God do what he did to the nation of Israel, I'm not doing anything against him. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere else. This guy just, he completely dismantled the most powerful nation, the nation that had me enslaved. I, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to stick with him. But so interesting how, how life can take us, and it does not stay the way that, if you end the story right there, you would just assume that they lived happily ever after. They're delivered from Egypt and everything's perfect and they follow after him and God leads them to the promised land and they're, they're, they're great and blessed and God is so good. That's what we would assume. Well, the Bible says in Jeremiah 32, 33, it says, they've turned unto me the back and not the face, though I taught them rising up early and teaching them. Yet they have not hearkened to receive instruction. They lived in the blessings of God. They served God. They walked with God. They, they, they followed after him. They were led by him. But there came a point where the people of Israel found themselves surrounded by nations that were not godly, and people that were not godly, and influences that, that were not good and righteous, and the lust and the covetousness began to pull on the hearts of the people of God that had been delivered begin to pull on the hearts of the people of God who had seen all of the miracles and seen the goodness of God. It began to pull and draw away the people who had walked through the dry ground of the Red Sea and had, had watched God do what he did. Just the, the temptations of their surroundings, their life, the things that they were around begin to draw on their hearts and pull on their minds. And the Bible says they turn their backs on God and not the face. They turned their backs on the God that they were supposed to be following. They turned their backs on the Lord that they were supposed to be serving and walking walking after. And they began to head back towards the bondage of sinfulness. There's a danger. There's a danger when we begin to turn away from the things of God. Hear me tonight, there is a danger when we begin to be led away from, the, from being 
from following after God and following after the word of God and, 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 and beginning to be led into the confusion and the chaos that, that our world is consumed by. And it's so interesting because the draw and the allurement of sin, it's so subtle at first. We don't really notice that it's happening and temptations come and, and the deception and the lies of the devil. And it just, just the thought gets planted into our mind. I know this is different, but I need you to hear me tonight. I'll preach to somebody. The, the, the thoughts or the temptations just get planted in our mind and we start to dwell on it a little bit too long and we start to, to, to go past the thought and we start to desire something that we know is not holy and we know is not good and we know is not conducive to a right relationship with God and we don't even realize it most of the time but we begin to make a change in direction in our life and we begin to get drawn away by the temptation in our life, in the direction that we are walking, following after God. If we are not careful, we can find ourselves going a completely different way than we are supposed to be. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. The pool, the pool of sin and the pool of of wickedness and the pool of temptation was on the people of Israel. We see it in the book of Genesis chapter 3 and Adam and Eve from the very beginning. People of God, they're in the garden. They have a relationship with God. The Bible says that God would come in the cool of the day and, and I'm sure that they had a close, intimate walk with God, but the Bible says the devil comes to Eve and he begins to tempt her and he begins to entice her and, and, and he begins to talk to her about the one command that God told her not to do. He said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible says that, that, that Eve, when she saw the tree, I don't think that Eve was near the tree when she started getting tempted. I think she's probably well away from it, but the devil was talking, and she began to get enticed, and she began to change the direction, and she got she began to get a little bit closer to the thing that she was not supposed to be close to. And the Bible says when she saw the tree, when it came into her vision, when it came into view, she saw that it was a tree that was pleasant to the eyes, tree good for food, a tree uh, to be desired to make one wise. When she got a vision of it, it was not just in her mind, but her directions changed. And now she's, she has found herself in a position where it's not just in her mind, but she now has the ability to make it a reality. And she takes the fruit and she eats and, and she gives to Adam and he eats and, and they both fall into sin. And when we, we get an idea of the progression. Of, of walking away from the things of God. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and he's enticed. It's so easy to live in the blessings of God and following the leading of God on our life. And we have everything that we need. I said it earlier, this is the best life. You have everything that you need in the house of God. This is, this, this is, the, best, this, this is the best life you'll ever find. But it's possible to live for God for years and years and, and, and enjoy the blessings of God on our life and on our family's life. And, and, and just the, the temptations start coming into our mind. And the drawing starts coming into our mind. And, and we're drawn away the desires of our, our, our sinful flesh. And we turn our back on God and we start to go another direction. Almost inadvertently. 
We don't realize a lot of the time the decisions that we're making. It's just It's so subtle, and we, we find ourselves walking day by day further away from the goodness of God and, and closer to the destruction and the chaos and the turmoil that comes from sin. I have seen it happen so many times in my life. There were people that I've grown up with. I, I remember talking with people that I remember talking to one of my buddies. He was one of my best friends. He's telling me, I want to be a missionary when I get older. I remember praying in altars with him, going going to conventions and camps with him. He had a desire to live for God. And I watched, I watched one of the best friends I've ever had begin to be drawn away by things in his life very slowly and very subtly. But the direction of his life that he was following after God just began to change a little bit over time. And he started missing a couple services here and there. And he started allowing some things into his life here and there. Up until today, he's so far removed from a relationship with God. His kids don't even know what it is to live for God. He has has completely taken himself out of following the leading of the Lord. I've seen it happen to family. And I'm not trying to preach negative, but I, I believe that the Lord wants to help somebody in this place. I've seen it happen to family, family with callings and family with anointing and family with abilities in the kingdom of God. Get messed up over a dumb situation and get bitter and get mad about something that somebody did and allow that bitterness to cause them to lose sight of really what's important. And they start changing direction in their life and they find themselves so far from God, they don't even know what's right and wrong. Because every man is tempted when he's drawn away. Things happen in our life. And I'm going somewhere. But let me just talk to somebody right now. Things happen in our life, and somebody makes us mad, and we have we are justified in being mad. We're right, uh, and they're wrong, but we allow that slight, uh, we allow that offense to to. to to dwell in our mind just a little bit too long and I allow what somebody did to dictate my relationship with God and I allow the hurts in my life of what's happened in my past to determine whether I go to church or whether I pray what's happening. You don't even realize it, but what's happening is the devil's starting to change the direction of your life and you're not going to be following God if you keep allowing that to happen. God help us. God, I've seen it more times than I can count. I've seen it so many times. I've seen it so, I've seen so many friends just get lurped out and messed up on something that is not important at all and get connected with things or people in their life that have no desire to make their life any better. And they get mixed up in things and, and just subtly they just start doing a thing here and there and going to certain places here and there. And before they know it, they are bound again. Let's take a moment and pray. Jesus, we need you to help us tonight. In Jesus' name, 
I know I'm not preaching to everybody, but there's somebody in this building. God's got your number, and God's trying to reach for somebody in this place. I don't know your past. I don't know what you're dealing with, but God, but hear me tonight. God is trying to help somebody change the direction of their life. God is trying to help get some, get some things squared away. God is trying to help you avoid some things. It does not have to be this way. You don't have to go the direction that you're going, but you're going to have to make some changes in your life. Our text in Isaiah 30 references this. It talks about the sinfulness of the people of Israel, and they've left the things of God, and they've left the ways of God. They're starting to deal with the consequences of sin. And it's ironic that as they are finding themselves away from God, this text talks about them turning back to Egypt for help. They've done a 180. God has delivered them from Egypt, but because of the choices and the things that they've allowed in, they have now, they're they're looking towards Egypt for help. Their focus is now on Egypt, and the Bible says that, listen, Egypt cannot help you. They're not going to do you any good, and God begins to speak of the judgment that was going to come on on them because of their rebellion, and he begins to talk about the consequences that sin was going to have and and the choices that they were making, the things that they were going to deal with. But then we get to verse 21. God makes such an incredible statement. He says, thine ears shall hear a word behind thee. He says, thine ears shall hear a word behind thee. This is a stretch, a little bit of a stretch, but bear with me. God leads from the front. He's talking to a nation that has completely turned their backs on him. He's talking to a nation That's known what it was like to feel the presence of the Holy Ghost. He's talking to a people that knew what it was like to be born again. He's talking to a people that know what it was like to be blessed by God and know what it was like to enjoy the benefits of serving God. He's talking to a people that have lived it and been blessed by it but have chose to turn the direction of their life and begin to look towards other things and be engrossed and caught up with a whole lot of things that are not godly. But just because they've turned their backs does not mean that God stopped talking. Oh, God. Just because they had changed the direction in their life and they were starting to do things that were not pleasing to God and just because they had left the blessings of God and left the truth of God and left obedience to the word of God and began to do things that were sinful and wicked, just because they left the the things of God did not mean that God was not calling after them. The voice of God, he said, I'm not in front of you this time, but you're going to hear a voice that's behind you. You're going to hear a voice that's, they're rebellious, they're sinful, they're wicked, they walked away from God. They, They are not serving God the way that they should be, but yet there's a loving voice of a Lord that loves them, calling to them from behind. God, God's ways are not our ways. 
His thoughts are not our thoughts. Listen, I don't think the way that God thinks. Thank God for that. God, God, the way that God does things are not the way that we do things. Somebody in our church falls and they mess up and we write them off and say, well, they deserve everything they get. They knew better. They shouldn't have done that. Now they're going to have to deal with the consequences. And we move on. But God does not move on when we start struggling with things. God does not move on when we start getting drawn away by things in our life. God does not move on when we change the direction and change what we're doing. No, God keeps calling. God keeps speaking. These people had turned from God, but God loved them so much to keep calling out to them even though their minds were not on God, their eyes were not on God, the direction of their life was not on God, but it's the mercy. We get an insight into the mercy of God that calls out to the individual that has turned their back and begin to walk away from him. The mercy of God, that that voice from behind. Listen, I don't know what you're involved in. I don't know. I've said it before. I don't know who I'm preaching to. God hasn't showed me. But God has not moved on from you. God has not moved on. Hey, other people might have moved on, but God has not moved on from you. God still loves you. God still got things he wants to do in your life. I'm thankful. I'm thankful we serve a God that's willing to leave Jesus, God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that we serve a God that is willing to leave 99 good and faithful sheep just to follow after one sheep that made a bunch of bad decisions and got himself lost and got himself mixed up in stuff. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that God's willing to leave 99 just to find that one. You want to know what that tells me? That one sheep matters. You're so important to the kingdom of God. You're so important to the God is willing to stop everything just to try to help somebody in this place. I was preaching a revival in California. We've been pushing for a couple of services. And finally, we got a breakthrough. God, we, we got a, there was a physical healing. A lady had a growth on her head. In the middle of worship, God just healed her, completely disappeared. The lady was filled with the Holy Ghost. And we got some momentum. And so we're having church that Wednesday, and I'm in prayer on Tuesday. Well, we're about to preach revival. I'm about to preach fire. I'm about to be walking on pews. We're going to get after it. And I'm praying right here at the altar of the church. And God speaks to me. He says, stand up. I stood up. He told me to walk to the back of the church. And I walked to the back of the church. And I'm standing right at the end of the middle aisle, looking towards the left over in that direction. And God says, there's still people in this building that have not decided whether they're going to live for me or not. Listen, we finally had momentum. If there was ever a time to strike while the iron was hot, it was then. People, visitors were going to be coming. People were going to be there. And God stopped everything for one sheep that had been going to church for a long time just to try to reach that individual. Because God will leave the 99 and begin to call out. That voice from behind 
Begin to call out for that one, that one that's made a few bad decisions. When we fall and when we turn away from God, it is not the voice of condemnation that we hear that comes from hell. It is not the voice of condemnation that says, listen, you messed up. You can't come back to God. The blessings of God, they're not there anymore. God's not going to do what he said he would do because you've made decisions that have disqualified you. That is not the voice of God. But when we turn away from God and begin to get mixed up in sin, it's not condemnation and shame and guilt, but it's conviction and mercy that's calling after us. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sinned. The Bible says they cover themselves with fig leaves. They hide themselves. And the first words that we have recorded, really, well, one of the, the, the second word, actually, but just the, some of the first words that we have recorded of God speaking to people. The Bible says God comes into a garden where people were that had turned their back on God and began to walk a direction that God did not desire for their life. God did not step in and begin to speak judgment. God did not step in and begin to speak condemnation. God did not step in and say, hey, you messed up. You're about, I'm about to punish you. No. But the Bible says God began to hear the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. And he is not speaking condemnation. He's not speaking judgment. But you hear the voice of a shepherd, the voice that is behind two people that have left God. The Bible says he begins to call out to Adam, Adam, where are you? The shepherd that's leaving the 99 looking for that one. If there was ever a time just to start over, it was then. But you see the love and the mercy of God that does not want to write anybody off. And yes, they've sinned, but there's still somebody that I love. And so I'm going to keep chasing them. I'm going to keep calling after them because I want to save them. My God. I'm preaching to somebody in this place. You've got yourself mixed up in a lot of things. You, you're coming to church and you're looking like you got it together and you look like you got your relationship with God all figured out. Uh, but inside you know that you are doing things and allowing things in your life that are going to mess you up. Uh, but you're starting to feel stuck. Uh, you're starting to feel bound. Uh, you're starting to feel like you can't get out of the choices that you made. And you're starting to think, well, I might as well just leave. There's no hope for me. There's no future for me anymore. Hear me tonight. Uh, there is the voice of a shepherd that's calling for somebody in this building. God loves you. God cares for you. God's not willing that any would be lost, but that all would come to repentance. Hear me right now. There's a voice from behind somebody in this place. Yeah, I might not be preaching to everybody, but if I'm talking to one person, I'm all right with that. God's calling for somebody. You've turned your back on him, but you found yourself in the place of God because God has brought you here so you can hear the voice of a shepherd that loves you. How many times, how many times, how many times do we make choices in our life uh, and the snowball effect begins to happen and we get mixed up in things we never planned on and we start to write off things that God could do in our life uh, as never going to happen because we've disqualified ourselves. Yeah, I'm repeating myself because God's not letting me leave this place. Uh, hear me right now. God is not disqualifying you from anything. Uh, there's still an anointing for somebody in this building. There's still a calling of God on somebody's life in this place. Uh, 
God's got things he wants to use you in his kingdom for. But you got to listen. You got to hear the voice of God calling out to you. Come on, let's pray. Would you close your eyes? Help me pray. Come on, there's a voice that's calling out to somebody. Come on, I know this is different on a Sunday night, but but the revival that God has for Apostolic Life Church is not excluding you. God wants to use you in the revival that he wants to bring to Tupelo. God wants to use everybody. God's got plans for everybody. God's not willing that you leave. God's trying to help somebody's direction in their life change. He's trying to save you. We're going to stay right here. We're going to pray. I believe that the Lord wants to minister right now. I could keep preaching, but I'm going to let God just work right now. Let's just take a moment and pray. If I'm not preaching to you, great. I need you to help me intercede right now. Maybe you backslid a long time ago, but you have found yourself in the house of God. That's not by coincidence. God's trying to help you. God's trying to save you. God's trying to change your life.